You're listening to the Fresh Air Sports Hub. Here comes Usain Bolt! Usain Bolt storming through! He takes it again! Down goes Frazier! Yeah, down goes Frazier! He hits one! Oh, what a goal! It's Lillard! He got the shot off! on freshair.org.uk Welcome to this week's Thoughts Hub show here on freshair.radio. I'm Peter Johnson. I'm joined this week by Alfie Steyer and hopefully technical problems permitting uh, Adina Mana later on. This week we'll be uh, reviewing last weekend's Champions League and Premier League action and uh, previewing what's to come this week. And also, again, provided Adi can join us, we'll be reviewing a historic week in Formula One where Lewis Hamilton rewrote the sports record books. All right, first of all, Adi, let's uh, kick off with what was probably a fairly dull Premier League weekend, you've got to say. It was long overdue, I think. Um, yeah, it, it was a bit calmer, wasn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah, it was a bit of a calmer weekend. Perhaps things calming down slightly. Uh, we've still got a couple of games to go today, but yeah, very not so many goals as normal. And How did, uh, how did you find watching Arsenal yesterday? Was that a... Oh, you know, when you're sort of just... You're sitting there and you're hearing this, the like building works go outside, and it's just like so, so repetitive and boring, and really just eats away at you inside, and you can't do anything about it. That's how I felt yesterday. Uh, wasn't a great, great viewing experience. <laughs> to be fair, I just it's kind of had waves of Leicester a few years ago. About it. I mean, it's easy to draw comparisons, but you know, grinding out a result, and uh, maybe it said more to think about than maybe as potential title challenges or top four challenges than it did about Arsenal? Uh, I mean, to be fair, I haven't really considered how Leicester, like what it means for Leicester. I've been very well, absorbed no, in, in, in what's wrong with that. Arsenal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I think they're, they're, they're a well-organised side. They've been with Brendan Rodgers for a while. Uh, I mean, you can see, I, mean, I don't know if you watch the game, but I'm sure... If you if you have seen them play, that they were just very compact, very well organised. Um, I think they'll be in and around the top four, no doubt about it, because they've got a, a very well drilled sort of team that have been used to each other. Brendan Rodgers is a good lad as well, so you know, it's kind of a weird season, isn't it? Like it's kind of it almost seems like it's one of them where it's who can drop the fewest points rather than like who can get the most. Like it's a bit of a war of an attri- war of attrition, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. Everyone seems to be dropping points here, there and everywhere. So, look, we're saying Leicester, Leicester were very impressive and solid yesterday. And then a couple of weeks ago, they were destroyed 4-0 by, or 3-0 by West Ham or something like that. So, it, it, it does seem to be fluctuating quite a lot. But maybe this weekend is the first sign of things calming down slightly, um, which would be great ahead of Burnley Spurs. I'd like that to be a nice calm fixture. <laughs> 
Oh, quiet. I know. That was the game where um, Son scored goal of the season, wasn't it, last season, I think? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, he's not got another one of, one of them in his locker from, well, from an Arsenal fan. Let's hope not. Um, <laughs> I mean, we just, I don't know. I feel like I kind of ask this question every week or every couple of weeks at least. Are we seeing any improvement under Arteta, do you think, when you sit and watch Arsenal every week? I mean, in comparison to this time last year, absolutely. Like, there's been a market. Uh, change structurally, defensively, tactically. We're more solid. Uh, but in terms of attacking improvement and cohesion, I'm not really seeing much at the moment, nor are many Arsenal fans, and I don't think the neutrals are either. Uh, it's There's definitely a lot of improvement, but he's not quite cracked the the, the final third, the, his attack yet. So that's well, the next I thing. I was just looking to just looking to the table, just just out of curiosity, just a few minutes ago, and uh, mm. it, Arsenal have actually scored the third most goals. With you think you've scored thirteen after was it six games now, but you've conceded as many as Sheffield United, uh, who obviously are with one point from the first six. Um, so it's kind of quite it seems quite a, an imbalanced team at the moment. Like well, attacking wise, obviously Aubameyang's not quite hit his top form that you would maybe expect to see, but goals haven't necessarily been the problem. It's just. Um, Still defensively, yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly. I mean, those stats as an Arsenal fan and watching them every week are perhaps slightly misleading because defensively, for the most part, we've been pretty sound. Yeah, um, we've conceded many goals. Yeah, but and then in the attacking sense, we may have scored a few goals, but we the, the amount of if you if you dig further into the metrics and goals, goal chance, uh, goal scoring opportunities created. Um, chances created, shots taken. We're we're really languishing at the bottom. Um, Aubameyang's had like six shots in in eight games or something like that. So it is a testament to our lack of creativity at the moment. But onwards and upwards, as they say. Exactly. Yeah. Who have we? Uh, Who have we got in the in the Europa League this week for Arsenal? Who, who's the, uh... We've actually got the the well-renowned Irish side, uh, Dun FC Dundalk. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Which we, which we'll use as a nice warm up for you know that other insignificant side we're playing on su- next Sunday. Uh, I think Manchester United or something like that. <laughs> oh God, that's <laughs> not. Uh, let's not talk about that. No confidence whatsoever. But which we'll get onto that shortly. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Move on, to, move on to a game that had uh, slightly more goals. I think the most goals of every game, joint most goals of all the games this weekend. Uh, Villa nil, Leeds three. Um, I was sort yeah. of hoping Addy would be here to shine a bit of a light on that because I know he, I know he <laughs> wants that. Um, but uh, you know, I was thinking certainly when when Leeds got promoted, perhaps the big the big question mark, if there if there really was any about how Leeds would cope in the Premier League, was maybe around Bamford and having him as their number one striker. I think was something that people had, had identified maybe as a bit of a weakness. Um, but he's equaled uh, Eric Cantona's club record of six goals in first six Premier League games, <laughs> which isn't. It's not a bad company to be in, is it, really? I mean, he hasn't no, done it has incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting Leeds to go to Villa Park and, and win 3-0. And not only that, but comprehensively batter Villa. Uh, I know that Villa had a few chances, but I looked at the stats and you know, Leeds had something like 27, 28 attempts on goal. And yeah, Bamford, no one really gave him a, ch- a chance this season. And he's he's taken it. By storm, he's sort of the main man. Even though they signed Rodrigo in the summer, um, so yeah, it just just really a, a, 
a strong reminder of, of Leeds uh, to be taken very seriously this year because Villa were sort of the the underdogs. Well, actually, maybe maybe not. Maybe Leeds are the, are the guys that everyone should be worrying about. <laughs> well, he, he did look... In, it was an incredibly round performance. He obviously got a Premier League hat-trick, which speaks for itself. But his first goal was a, a proper poacher's goal, tapping from two yards out. And then his last two were just like absolute mm. ballistic missiles. Absolutely incredible yeah. goal. Um, something I, I uh, it's perhaps not surprising, but it's the uh, it's the highest Leeds have been in the English football standings in uh, more than eighteen years. Um, oh, brilliant. So maybe not. Uh, you know, how long do we see this honeymoon period lasting? I mean, obviously we've seen some teams, you know, take the Premier League by storm in the first few games and fade away as the seasons progress. Um, but they don't, they're not showing any fear, are they? I mean, they turned up again. I mean, Aston Villa on paper obviously aren't the strongest side, but they would still have the only 100% record in, I think, the top four divisions of English football and mm. were absolutely blasted away. Yeah, I think I, I don't think Leeds are going are, are gonna to peter off at all. I think Bielsa's established such strength of character and 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 structure and, and abilities or belief in their ability is that they're going to be in and around fighting every single team. Then no, no one's going to want to play Leeds really. Uh, I, I and sometimes you know as we saw with the with the Wolves game, perhaps they might be slightly unfortunate to to lose occasionally. But honestly, I think they're they're you know they're not going to be re- super high up in the league. But I, I could definitely back them with a with a mid table finish or something like that. They, they look a very well drilled side, especially when they've shown that they can score goals and keep clean sheets when people are sort of, they've been quite relatively consistent, all things considered, yeah. given everyone else I mean, has been so up and down. Talking about that, I think one of their, I mean, I've, I've not seen a huge number of Leeds games. I saw them against Liverpool, against City, um, mm. and a couple of others as well. Um, but their goalkeeper seems to me to be incredibly impressive. I mean, I've never seen him. Obviously, he's fighting for a number of spot against... He's so young. Here, isn't it? Um, Meslier is like not, yeah. it's ridiculously young. Uh, he looks young as well, but yeah, he he looks great. Everything I've seen, but I'm like you, I haven't watched loads of them. But he looks every time I see him in the highlights reel, he's making some some great saves. And then I just look at his face, I'm like, Christ, you you look yeah, younger than me. And I, I think he is younger than both of us. So <laughs> good on him. Uh, so just just returning returning uh, to the villa just for a moment. Um, obviously, as we we said, had the hundred percent record shattered. Um, I mean, they've, they've actually, strangely, such as the season that we're watching at the moment, have got a game in hand, which if they win, they can go top. Um, but realistically, their eyes probably need to be, you know, turned to the teams well below them now, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I, look, I think Villa with Jack Grealish and and the, the signings they made in the summer, which I think have been really impressive. I think they will be a much stronger team this year. I don't think they're going to be battling for relegate uh, like uh, in the relegation zone i think they're they're again going to be not maybe not as quite as good as leeds uh consistently but i definitely think they're going to be sort of fighting for that for the higher end of the table or you know sort of 12th 13th sort of position as opposed to 16th 17th um yeah. but yeah they they are back perhaps slightly grounded now which i think was gonna, inevitably going to happen at some point i mean we have started to see already unfortunately kind of a, a- proper bottom four kind of emerging and it's already starting to look like it's probably going to be three or four teams going down so Villa have obviously got an incredible they've got like an 11 point head start already on mm. on the relegation battle yeah um, massive and you know you look at you look at teams like West Brom and Fulham who like nobody's giving a prayer to so you know they've got an 11 point head start over you know one 
perhaps one more relegation place up for grabs, which is obviously incredibly useful. Um, they've still got con- plenty of reasons to be confident throughout the rest of the season, haven't they? Um, mm, but absolutely. To move on again, um, to one team that is is struggling substantially more. Um, Sheffield United. I mean, mm. they, they were going to Anfield's hardest game of the season, but um, they do need points from somewhere. Um, obviously, when when um, one nil up through a penalty. I saw there was a poll on Sky earlier. I think seventy nine percent of people said it it wasn't a penalty. I don't know if you've seen the incident. Whether you've got a view on it? Um, yeah, I, I watched it back. I mean, I wasn't watching live. It seemed harsh, but I've seen them given. And you know, if it was if it was Arsenal, I wouldn't be complaining. So yeah, like I think Fabinho went for the ball, and and it probably was quite harsh, but. I've seen more outrageous decisions been made. And I think Sheffield United started really well at Anfield. So I think they sort of deserved the lead that they that they they got. Yeah, they've got kind of a very plucky underdog kind of spirit about them. I mean, obviously last season they were obviously newly promoted. Nobody really knew what to expect from them. And that kind of, I would say, plucky underdog mentality kind of scored them quite a few points. But this season it just seems like they've got kind of the character and the spirit but they don't really have any enough end products to to uh yeah it looks as if they've been sort of found out a bit and in an attacking sense i mean they were a lot better for the highlights they suggested that they were a lot better than i've seen so far this season but it's a question of how far can you go with the group of players they've got that they're sort of in a way like leeds very well drilled but maybe they reached their ceiling last year they were so brilliant and didn't really I mean they signed Brewster so who knows he could come good they've got a couple of you know Berg, Berg um, the guy who scored the penalty looks quite promising but apart from that honestly it's quite funny I sometimes think of like Lundstrom Basham Bulldog O'Connell and they're just all the same guy Egan they're all the same yeah. I can't put a name to a face at all there's about six no, or seven of them yeah it's uh, it's a shame I don't collect match attacks anymore because I used to know who <laughs> but yeah, no, exactly. they're all names to me now. Um, well, looking looking to Liverpool, obviously we saw um, Van Dijk was injured against um, against Everton last week. I don't know if you saw uh, Memphis Depay's t-shirt when he scored for. Um, yeah, I saw that yesterday. All a little bit ridiculous. It reminded me of when City had all the Gundogan shirts on when he when he got injured. And it just seemed all a bit a bit mm. over the top, but. Um, a bit much. How do you think they, they're they adapting? Obviously, it's, it is a huge thing. As we said last week, he's not missed a game for a couple of years. Um, yeah. But they have won both games since he's since he's been out. Yeah, I mean, going to Ajax and winning 1-0 is, is no, nothing to nothing to be ashamed about. I mean, Even just, also that Alisson was out. Yeah, go on. Just to jump in there as well, um, I don't think we can go without mentioning that Ajax won 13-0 this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a Dutch league record, so it's nothing to be sniffed at beating Ajax. So absolutely, um, look, it's two two wins uh, without without Allison in the first game. He was back against Sheffield United. Still no Thiago. They obviously started with a a, a more attacking lineup than I think a lot of people anticipated, uh, with Jota in there as well as the front three. Um, I'm not sure really. I, I think it's too soon to say how they're adapting, but I do think they've. They do have quality personnel replacements. I mean, no one can get near to Van Dyke, but Fabinho seems to have the character, the the um, the sort of air of a of a player who can stand in for Van Dyke alongside Gomez or Matip. Um, 
and you're not losing too much in midfield because you've still got Thiago to come back in. So, look, I think they're going to be fine. Obviously, slightly less solid, but I'm not sure. I'd be interested to see if they do have to adapt, but, you know, I, I'm not I'm not convinced that they will. I think we'll see the same, same old Liverpool, <laughs> annoyingly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a... It's it's a bit too easy, isn't it? Just to I mean, City obviously tried it last year with Laporte. Oh, Laporte's been injured. That's why we've not been able to mount a serious title challenge and got quite ridiculously mocked for it. I seem to remember. Mm. Um, I mean, everyone knows Van Dijk's importance to Liverpool, but I don't think like Klopp or anyone like that. I don't. They don't seem like the kind of the kind of club at the moment who are going to be making excuses to themselves. Absolutely. Um, I'd expect them to be absolute reasonably well, I think. I mean, they are, at the end of the day, they are Premier League champions, aren't they? Like, they should be able to uh, make do with that Yeah, one. and look, like, they, they they would have probably considered the fact that if one of their centre-backs, I mean, hope, I'm, I'm sure they would have been <laughs> hoping a lot that it wasn't Van Dijk, but they're already short in that position. It's not that long until January. If they're really struggling, then I'm sure they can find a way to cobble together a couple of million quid to sign a, a very decent replacement short term or long term. So look, I think they'll be fine. But, you know, um, if anyone's going to if anyone's going to compensate for for Van Dyke's absence, it would probably be Klopp and his his team, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, over to uh, obviously mentioned mentioned Everton in passing just then. Um, perhaps um, reality started to hit then this weekend. Um, I mean, it's quite easy to say that first defeat of the season. I mean, obviously, everyone, every team's going to lose games throughout the season. Um, but they seem reasonably toothless, but against um, Southampton. They're still top of the league on goal difference, of course. Mm. Um, but you just think the confidence will be a bit shot now like after this explosive season, starts the season they've had. They're still level with Liverpool on points. Like, they're not managed to break clear at all and now they've suffered the first defeat as well. Yeah, look, I never really thought that Everton were going to... Uh, we could have said, and we did say, it's theirs to lose if they could have kept that up. But I think inevitably they're going to have a little blip. And Southampton were great. They, they've had a slow start to the season, but they've looked very impressive over the last few games. Um, obviously, Everton didn't have Richarlison, which I think is massive for them. And they were out. Seamus Coleman also. Now Luca Dina's suspended... Uh, so look, they're, they're mitigating circumstances, but yeah, I think you said Everton. Yeah, Everton are sort of a light to Villa, a bit of a reminder of reality. And look, they'll be a fun team to watch. Hopefully, Calvert-Lewin can keep banging them in. But I'm I'm not too fussed. I think Everton will be Everton. <laughs> you know? I mean, just from a uh, just from from a Southampton perspective, I mean, it's a year. I think it was a year to the weekend since they were annihilated yeah. nine nil, wasn't it? Um, and I really feared um, that I don't. I don't I never believe that Ralph Hasenhutl, Ralph Hasenhutl, can get it out eventually. Should have been sacked. I really like him as a manager. Um, so yeah, I'm really great. glad. Stuck, I'm really glad they stuck with him. Um, and it's great to see now that they do seem to have certainly over the last twelve months they have really built in in confidence and in aggression and just all around they do seem to be. It was almost like when they came up and they had they had a couple of good seasons with Kuman, didn't they? And they finished sixth or seventh and they were challenging for Europe. Yeah, Pochettino before that, that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're a high-pressing team, intense. They've got Ings, who's great. They've got some good players. They've got some good defenders. Um, yeah, I like Southampton. I really like Danny Ings. And if he can keep doing it for Southampton, then, you know, I'm an I'm a, I'm a Ings fan. So I, I'm, I'm happy for them. They still, they seem still, I mean, I know how they've been in the Premier League for almost a decade now, but they still seem like 
very plucky side. Like they don't, you don't watch them and think, oh, that's a that's a very established Premier League team now. Like, they still have quite of a. Yeah, I, I think they're they're like a more rounded Sheffield United. Uh, strange mm. kind of how it seems to me. Yeah, I think they've just because over the last few years they fluctuated between being quite a good side and then and then being absolutely dreadful, like we saw last year, as you say, in the nine nil defeat. Um, but I think the definitely with the coach and his pedigree, they're definitely becoming a bit more of a serious outfit and perhaps a more consistent one too. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Southampton are never really the team that you think are going to be consistently quite good, like a like a Leicester or something like that. They're not. They're not ever going to get to that point I don't think no um, I think we'll leave it there for the Premier League um, as I said there weren't too many goals too many goals flying around the and we still do also mm. have um, there are of course we're having all 32 teams playing every week in the Champions League now we've been absolutely bombarded with European football um, so I'll have a bit more of a look at that because there were some interesting fixtures and then of course we've got Juventus against Barcelona Ronaldo against Messi this week Um that will come to provided Ronaldo is obviously uh, recovered from COVID. Yeah, um, which would be a real shame if he's not, because after all that, would that, be a bit of a bummer, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Um, but let's start with this was my personal favourite um, Champions League match last week. I don't believe it. I, I can't imagine what I mean, game was, you're going to uh, suggest. It's surprisingly it was a PSG against Manchester United. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got to say. I was kind of rolling my eyes and thinking, what's going to happen here? When you see Pogba on the bench, Tuanza Bay named in a in a back three, who I don't think had started. I think his last start was against, was it Colchester or Scunthorpe just over a year ago? Um, and then he's up against Neymar and Mbappe. So, you know, there were, mm. yeah, there were certainly questions posed against Dolly before the start, but they did well and truly pay off, didn't they, to be fair? Look, I, I was sitting, I was watching again with my, with my classic United my United faithful or their United faithful. And look, I, w- I was sitting there and I was like, look, I, I really wouldn't mind if-, if PSG absolutely battered you. It'd be quite funny and I'd see some good football. But then I saw you deserve to win. You played well. I really liked the way that you went for it and properly tried to compete with PSG. I thought Twan Zabi, De Gea, Wan-Bissaka were unbelievable in defence. Mm, I agree. I think I think goal was... was- Rashford's season. goal was brilliant. Um, who scored your first goal? I can't remember. Bruno's penalty. Retaking uh, penalty. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> I'm sure of course, you were rolling your eyes at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. So classic. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for that. I like getting behind a, an English side and obviously I don't really like Man United, but when they when they play like that and you've got a young lad at the back and Wan-Bissaka, who's English, and Rashford, who all the stuff he's doing off the pitch at the moment against PSG, who have so many superstars and Neymar and Mbappe. It's hard not to be really happy as a as an English football fan. So, yeah, I know there's many, many football fans the world over who would complain about PSG losing. Um, yeah, exactly. That's another thing, too. Well, I mean, we're not obliged to be uh, to be neutral on here. I mean, so I think we, we can say that. Um, there has also been questions over the form. Obviously, Neymar didn't score. PSG reached the final, but I don't think Neymar scored or assisted. Um, in any of those matches in, in Lisbon, in Portugal last year. And Mbappe's not really reached the heights, um, certainly that he showed with Monaco when he first burst onto the scene. Um, so, you know, as you, t- you talk about these these superstars of PSG, but they've not, there's no evidence really over the last few months that they are cutting it in the Champions League. And that is maybe a little bit of a concern, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that they have been, obviously, they, they, they win pretty much every domestic title there is, so they should. The reason that they bought these these £200 million players in forwards is to win the Champions League. And look, they got to the final last year and that they were pretty close. They were pretty close to winning it. And I think that was definitely progress. You look at Man City, who have had similar-ish investment and they haven't got that close so I think there's definitely a bit of optimism around it. But then you see the way they started this season. You see the way that they can be so inconsistent. And yeah, you see the likes of Neymar and Mbappe not really sort of not 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 being worth the money that was paid for them. But I, th- I guess that's genuinely impossible unless they win the Champions League. Um, but yeah, I think they're just, they're not that relentless sort of, they're not like Bayern Munich. No. <laughs> are just something else at the moment. <laughs> I mean, um, turning our attention to, to, to this week coming um, in this group, Group H, uh, PSG are up against uh, Istanbul, Basak, Sahir. I think it's like... Great pronunciation. Say it, you see it how you see it. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, United, obviously, against their first ever meeting against uh, Leipzig, who are top of the Bundesliga. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what to make of this because United have got this weird... Obviously, unbeaten in the last 10 away games, first time in the club's history, not including the um, Sevilla defeat, which was a, a neutral venue. Um, so <laughs> I don't think we include that. Uh, but without a win in the last five Premier League home matches. Um, so it's a really strange kind of disparity between home and away form at the moment. So I'm not filled with confidence that um, we're going to have much to cheer about on Wednesday night. Mm, I mean, yeah, like... I, I, I'm not sure what result I'd want. I mean, I'd like to see you get out of that group and, and beat PSG to the top. So I'd probably like you to beat Leipzig. Having said that, with ahead of the Premier League game with Arsenal on Sunday, then I want whatever result will negatively affect you the most. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, But yeah, at home, you, you seem to struggle. Maybe it's the way that you play. You know, so perhaps more more free to to counter attack when you're away and 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 you can use your attacking assets more than at home don't really know why maybe it's something to do with I, I know old trafford's got a massive pitch or maybe the way that teams set up i'm not sure but yeah it'd be an interesting spectacle especially after you beating psg so well yeah well let's just we'll uh, obviously how you say now so we'll uh six original plan um with how how we've progressed um for, just talk about there's a couple more matches that from last weekend that I just wanted to to refer to. Uh, Real Madrid were three 0 down at home against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, obviously, quite quite a, quite a big story as it happened. Managed to claw it back to three um, two, but we saw them struggle obviously in comparison to their own very high standards in this competition last season. Uh, what what do you make of them under since since the Dan's come back? They've, come nowhere near reaching the, the the lofty heights of his first spell, have they? No, they haven't. And I think, the, you know, you look at well, where's Eden Hazard at the moment, injured. He was meant to be the, the big guy to to propel Zidane's side, like, back near to the levels that they were at. You look at their best players and they're still the sort of cohort that that were such a big part of those those crazy uh, Champions League wins for four, three, four years in a row, I think it was. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just not as good as they were. They've still got, they've got a lot of, they've got some young players coming through, but the other guys are quite old now and getting on a bit. They don't have Ronaldo, which obviously is massive. 
and haven't really replaced him and their attempts in doing so with Hazard haven't really, I mean, it's been basically a waste of a year what a deal it looks for Chelsea at the moment. But yeah, they're, they're not where they're at. Having said that, they sort of, you know, uh, played Barca off the park, but then Barca are nowhere near their level. No, either, no. So. Right. Uh, well, it was, a, it was a, uh, a bad week for Madrid in general in European football. Obviously, we've just mentioned Bayern as well, looking absolutely imperious. Beat Atletico 4-0. I think people were probably expecting them to pose a little bit more of a challenge, obviously, as well. Suarez's first Champions League start for them. I mean, it's just, it was just a serious statement, wasn't it? I mean, you can't really say much else than that. They just look like the team to beat again, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, Atletico started quite well. And then I don't know if you saw Bayern's goals, but every single one of them was just unbelievable. Mm. And they look like the team to beat this year. Absolutely. Again. I think just to uh, just to wrap up on 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 the, I mean, I agree completely with everything with everything you said just there. Just to wrap up, uh, there's one we've touched on it at the start. I think it would be rude not touching it in again. Um, potentially uh, COVID permitting, and Ronaldo needed to have tested negative by last Wednesday, I believe, and they've not they've not um, released the information whether he has or not. So it's still a bit of an unknown. But we could be seeing our first Messi against Ronaldo fixture. Uh, since Ronaldo left Spain, mm. uh, how how personally? I mean, I always wonder this. Everyone hypes it up as Messi against Ronaldo, even when it's Barcelona against Real Madrid. It doesn't matter how big the fixture itself is; it's always Messi against Ronaldo. How personally do you think the two of them actually take it? Do you think they build it up to themselves as I've got to beat Messi, I've got to beat Ronaldo? I think it definitely definitely spurs each player on you know when you've got a player of that level who you know is basically fighting the position to be named the best player in the world or known as the best player in the world that obviously it's on your mind when you're playing against them directly but you know they've both gone on record saying that as footballers the the most important thing they're focused completely on themselves and obviously having someone like that will will uh help their their like insane abilities, but I don't. I don't think they're, especially at this point in their careers, in the twilight of their careers. I don't think they're necessarily too fussed about. It'll probably be like a. a it would be a bit like a, a meeting of old friends, you know. They'll sort of embrace each other. You know, they're they're sort of out of, out of out of their amazing uh, form. I mean, so, you do look yeah. when um, I think it was back a couple of shows ago, just after they did the draw for the Champions League, and I looked on, and there is a Wikipedia page dedicated actually to the Messi against Ronaldo rivalry. <laughs> and when you scroll through it and it's got all the fixtures that they've ever played against each other and the, the number of goal involvements they've both got when they play against each other is just absolutely staggering. It yeah. really is unbelievable. Um, so it's, it's a pleasure. To, yeah, last word on that. It's, it's a pleasure to have grown up basically with them. I mean, yeah. you know, being at the top of the game for the best part of 20 years or something like that, nearly 10, 15 I years, agree. something like that. Crazy. It seems so long ago that I was buying Man United shirts with his name on the back. <laughs> uh, first football match I ever saw, he scored two against Wigan Athletic. Uh, first game I ever saw live, and here we are now. So it's been an incredible, uh, incredible decade or so. All right. Uh, thanks very much, Alfie, for that. Uh, no worries. We have, we have got uh, Addy with us, thankfully, so we can reflect on what was a historic week uh, in Portugal in Formula One. Lewis Hamilton rewrote the record books this weekend with his 92nd career win. Uh, Sunday was actually a great day for British sport in general, if I can just give a give a mention to Theo Gagenhart, who won the uh, Giro d'Italia. 
uh, the fifth Grand Tour winner ever from Great Britain. Um, he was tied on time with Australian Jai Hindley before the decisive final stage in Milan. like to uh, 
explain to everybody listening. Unfortunately, these things happen. We had a little bit of a technical hiccup while we were recording this show, and the, the, the first 15 minutes in which we're talking about the Formula One this weekend and Lewis Hamilton rewriting the history books and winning his 92nd Grand Prix, unfortunately wasn't picked up on the recording on Zoom. So we'll just pick up the show from where we're talking about uh, other drivers and how they performed during this race weekend. And hopefully this is something we can revisit next next time out because it's a, from a sporting perspective and from my values perspective, it is a very big story that we would like to discuss and share with you and talk about. So unfortunately, due to some technical issues, that wasn't possible this week. So just to let you know what's gone on and why there's maybe a, a very strange jump from talking about Champions League to talking about the Formula One. Told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. And they say it gets colder You're bundled up now, wait till you get older But the media men beg to differ Judging by the hole in the satellite picture The ice we skate is getting pretty thin The water's getting warm so you might as well swim My world's on fire, how about yours? That's the way I like it and I'll never get bored Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star Get the show on, get paid Let's start with the positive story. 
Um, it's probably been the feel-good story of the season so far. Pierre Gasly managed the unbelievable P5. Yeah, and and, his, and, and Kvyat, Kvyat was 17th, I think. So it's a huge, huge diff, like, you know, difference in performance. I just hope they leave him alone. We say it every week, but I just really hope they just leave him there. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to the red ball. It's just perfect from where he is. It's it's like um, it's like someone's you know someone's cheat like Red Bull have cheated him and for him to go back to Red Bull would be like you know it would be it, it, he's good where he is you know like, I mean Red, Red Bull next season have got the prospects they've 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 got to go back to Renault with the tails between the legs so they really want to uh, look they might be doing the um, the Honda takeover if that if that goes well if that goes through then it'd be like an independent supply one set or something we'll see how that develops yeah. Um, we, I'm sure another week we'll have a much better and much more time to talk about that. But um, just, of course, speaking of Gasly, Red Bull, questions around that seat. What really did for Gasly was being lapped at the Austrian Grand Prix. I think that's yeah, that was regarded as that the was final it. nail in the coffin. And we kind of saw history repeating itself today. Albon mm-hmm. getting lapped by Verstappen, absolutely purely on pace alone. It's not like Russia where he had a bit of a bit of an accident near the start. He was just he was just downright slow, unfortunately, it wasn't yesterday. It was a it didn't look well. Particularly as Horner said, Christian Horner said uh, earlier yes, Albon was still yet to prove it he was still yet to prove that he'd earned that seat. Yeah. And it was just an absolutely wretched race, wasn't it, for him? Oh yeah. I mean I mean a lot of these races haven't been great for me. He got that podium in Magello. But um it was just I don't know what I don't know what to say for Albon because I really want him to do well and I I'm I was always rooting for him but it's he's just he's 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 very consistent in that he makes a lot of mistakes all the time so I, <laughs> so I just I, I mean I I don't think he's gonna have that seat next year I think I my personal prediction is that Hulkenberg's gonna gonna slide I've got in the got in my heart and my head both want that seat to be the Hulkenberg yeah really, really, really. I think the in an ideal world, I think there would just be more teams. Yeah. Than that. I mean, twenty seats is not enough. We need no, no. We need like twenty eleven. You know, like when they when they had like 22, 22 cars in the grid yeah. or 20, 24. 24. Yeah. So that we need we need more teams. We need cool teams to just come in. Like Haas no. was pretty cool when they've not had a new like... engine since twenty sixteen, have we? No, as you said. No, because we've only we've only really got Honda, Renault, and Mercedes now, haven't we? I mean, you would think with these new regulations, you'd have heard a bit more talk about new teams coming in, but I don't think... I uh, It's my unexpert opinion that we're not going to see any new entries for a good... Next best part of a decade now, we've got these hugely new regulations coming in. There's no talk of any other teams joining. Yeah, so. and I mean, I was thinking about like the return of Toyota, you know, but I don't see that happening for a while. No. I mean, obviously, we have seen the return of Aston Martin and there were... There has been talk for at least... I mean, I remember back when Braun were in F1 and there were talks that after Martin were going to take over Braun, which obviously Mercedes ended up doing. So there has been so much talk for a long time about Aston Martin returning as a works team. Obviously, they uh, became title sponsor of Red Bull a few seasons ago. So I think it was always on the cards they were going to come back. But unfortunately, it wasn't as there as a, as a new entry. Mm. And it's just we need to find space for all these drivers, don't we? I mean, Ferrari have got three young drivers ready to go. Um and then you look at some of the drivers who might be missing out. I mean, in order for all three of them to get into the sport next season, you really count on Raikkonen retiring, which is not really a sacrifice. Any any F1 fan would be really be obviously. Really not. I mean, I'd love to see Raikkonen hold it out for as long as he can because he's a he's a he's a gem, really, isn't he? He's a he's an yeah. asset to the sport. 
he just did it again this weekend, like we said. Yeah, um, exactly. exactly. He's still got it in him as well. Every single I was worried. I was, I was worried though because for so many races, I can't. I mean, it was sort of like mid, like towards the start of the season, going into mid-season, where he just kept coming last. He kept qualifying yeah. last. He still only got three points, but he finally yeah. got Jello, wasn't it? He broke his duck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he's and he's been he's been on the rise ever since. I think. I think he's still he's still happy racing, you know. And I know it's a hobby for him, but he's, it's a very good hobby that he pursues. But I mean, it's uh, he's just having fun. He's not. He doesn't need to score points. I mean, if he was still at Ferrari, <laughs> starting fifth or sixth every race, he doesn't have ten cars in front of him that he can pass on the opening lap. Like, exactly. Starting at the back, that's an extra little element of fun, isn't it? It's just more cars to pass for him, like he proved. So yeah, maybe, just... maybe that's what maybe that's what Hamilton's going to do. You know, maybe Hamilton's going to join Williams and still win, just just because he's that good. I mean, you and I said jokingly, didn't we? Um, Gasly, we th- we we thought Gasly would be the only driver capable of winning in the Williams, given his yeah, yeah. record of outpouring machinery. But that statement wasn't really founded in anything. But it is a it's a nice little nice little thing to think about. Who, uh, yeah, I, who I, I don't want to, like you're saying. I, I don't want Gasly to move either. I think he's found his rhythm in. Uh, I was going to say Tara Ross, Alpha Tower, That's the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's found his rhythm, and like I don't, I don't want him to move. And we, we, there was that. I mean, you mentioned about him potentially going to Renault. You know, I think that's off. very, very. That's that is very much rumor, and there's not much substance. Mm. To that, I don't think. But. Yeah, but I mean, uh, as for like the transfer market, I think you know Hamilton's obviously gonna go to go to uh, Mercedes. Then and Max is very loyal to Red Bull, and he's got like a four-year contract or something anyway. So yeah, I mean, for as long as Hamilton's still at Mercedes, he's not the best seat you can hope for as a Red Bull seat, isn't it? Exactly, and I, I don't see Max joining Mercedes anytime soon. I can't see Max not in a Red Bull, you know. Maybe that is all. Like, maybe that's another factor of the negotiations for Hamilton's contract. We've contract we've not considered. Maybe they are trying to coincide the expiry of Hamilton's contract with the expiry of Verstappen's uh, at, at Red Bull. I don't know. There's so many. I do get the impression there is a lot more to this Hamilton. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure when it comes to it, he can sign that contract in a match of hours. Like, I don't think there'll be much to it, but I do wonder if there, there are a lot more extenuated, like, like mitigating circumstances that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Well, the next, well, the next, I mean, he Hamilton's almost definitely going to take this. I don't, I don't understand why it's, why it's taken so long, but I mean, the next driver I want to see there is George Russell. And I think it'd be, I'd be pretty annoyed if I were George Russell if I didn't get if I weren't the next to get that seat, you know. And but he, and he's got such a good relationship with Toto Wolf. But there's also what you're saying about uh, because I, Max being at Red Bull and Lewis being at Mercedes, there's something about that like they sort of define that team. It's like how weird would it be if Senna like suddenly like drove Ferrari? Do you know? Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's Very something about him staying at McLaren like. And and that Williams Williams is, is different, but like him, like when you think Prost and Senna, you think McLaren Ferrari. I mean, it was I mean? similar. It's not quite the same, but in a modern context, perhaps Vettel leaving Red Bull when he went to Ferrari, and it's, yeah. it just didn't look right. It just it um, wasn't, wasn't right. In, in hindsight, in hindsight, in hindsight, Vettel being at Red Bull just looks wrong now because he's a Ferrari. He's a Ferrari guy. You know, he loves Schumacher. But this is what I'm saying. Like I, Max is just. Like now, when you think the Verstappen Hamilton rival, you think Red Bull Mercedes, you know. But then you do get good teammate scraps like Rosberg Hamilton. Obviously, that's one of the greatest rivalries I've seen in like the last 
the last 10 years. I mean, in some ways, it's like we said earlier, isn't it, about Bottas has got the car, Verstappen's got the talent, Hamilton's got both of them. Like, if you've got both the best drivers, if you've got the two best drivers in the same cars, then it might be a brilliant inter-team battle, but that means that there's only ever going to be two drivers who can win. Exactly. And spread out a little bit more, there is a little... You'd see Mercedes one, two... Like, it, it would be similar to the Rosberg era, maybe, maybe even more, because Verstappen's got way more... T- I mean, Rosberg, I love Rosberg. I've said this a lot. I mean, I, I really... He's one of my favourite drivers, but... Verstappen's obviously got way more talent, you know. And, like, Verstappen and Hamilton in a team together is dangerous for Formula One and dangerous for the fans because you're just going to see one-twos every week. You know, they're just swapping places, you know, one and two. You do want to just one season, just one season before Lewis hangs up his helmet. Just give us 20 races of Hamilton and Verstappen in the same car. Yeah. They owe it to us. Because uh... you see, because their race, their racing would go on for the whole race. They wouldn't stop racing for the whole race. No. You know? It's not like one little battle. You see, it's like you see start to finish. It would just the cameras would just be following them the whole time. It's bad for the other drivers because they'll get no screen time. But it'll be good for us fans. Definitely. Anyway, we can. I think that's something that we're still gonna have to carry on dreaming about. But it's been mm-hmm. a weird year. Gasly's won a yeah, race. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anything can happen in in there. Gasly won a race, signs led a race. Yeah, you know, has got off, screen time. I, I didn't on lap two. Well, uh, yeah, Lewis okay. Hamilton won. Lewis Hamilton won a race with uh, left with a puncture. <laughs> Three wheel lap. Yeah, we. It's been a what a season it's been. Yeah, it's been a crazy season. And with, Hamilton uh, equaled uh, no beat Schumacher's record. I mean, I thought that was going to stand for at least another year. I mean, I thought. Eight race wins in a in a in a shortened season, not gonna happen, but he surprises all again. I never know, ninety-three maybe this weekend. It would be such a shame if he wins all these races, but he never wins one at Imola. And it, particularly if he if he goes to Imola yeah. and comes away having never won any of his races at a Imola. A zero percent record there would be a huge No, that, no obviously would be, that would be a trap. So, uh, he needs to make sure he uh, he gets his act together again this weekend and we can uh, hopefully Potentially talk about number ninety three next weekend, but we'll see. I expect a bit more of a challenge. He needs to tick tick off another. Well, exactly. He needs to tick off another another track off his wins list, doesn't he? Because every one of these new tracks he goes. I think South Korea and Valencia are like the only two tracks he didn't win at, and maybe Magni Core. Did he win at Magni Core? I think Magni Core (laughs) in South Korea. Yeah, no, I don't don't think he did. So. And but what do you think? What do you? I mean, maybe, oh, India, do you think the Malaysian Grand Prix returning? I don't think we'll yeah, see yeah. that anytime soon. Really, I mean, we've just got Vietnam, haven't we? Um, I don't think we'll see Malaysia back anytime soon. Uh, Vietnam after Vietnam. Anyway, we're about to end. Mm. I need to end before the Zoom call cuts us off. Thanks very much, Alfie. Thanks very much, Addy. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, we'll have a lot more football, a lot more racing to discuss next weekend, um, and we'll see you all then next week. All right, goodbye.
When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten and the damned? He said, will you defeat them, your demons and all the non-believers, the plans that they have made? Because one day I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer to join the Black Parade. 